This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkbaum. Yeah, I can't believe you did that. I'm Joe McCormick. <laughs> How are y'all doing today? Not too bad. How about you, Joe? Uh, I'm a little nauseated sitting in a room with the three of you, Jonathan, Lauren, and Noel, because at least one of you smells bad. Aw. At least one. <laughs> I just I just showered this morning. Yeah. Like I, right before I came into the office. I doused myself in Axe body spray oh. before coming ah, here. Ah, <laughs> that explains it. Clean and yet what, dirty. Why are we even time. talking about smell, Joe? Well, I was just kidding. You're <laughs> as fragrant as ever, Jonathan. I know I am. <laughs> no, I was wondering about smells. Yeah. Is there a future for smells? Because frankly, to me, smell is, you know, all, all of our senses are important, but it's sort of the most superfluous one. It's not like I'm a dog and I use smell to really navigate the world and find the things that interest me, like piles of garbage and something <laughs> under a bunch of dead leaves. I don't know. It's, ends, down, it's down there somewhere. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't really use my sense of smell for all anything all that important. So does it really matter in our lives? And 
I don't know, does it really have that much influence on the way we see the world? Yes. All right. So if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, <laughs> um, no, uh, the short answer is is it absolutely totally, matters. Yeah. yeah. And of um, course, sorry, the follow up question is. What's the future of smelling things? <laughs> well, also, we wanted to mention that we're going to be covering how smell can affect us and to what extent that, that we know of it can affect us. And this is sort of part of a it's a small part of a bigger discussion that we're going to continue in a future episode about the things that can influence our decision making processes and whether the future is going to involve us uh, consciously employing those things to perhaps guide us to a brighter, happier future that's not at all Orwellian. Um, <laughs> hey, those serious concerns are for another day. Today yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about stinky stuff right. and yeah. smells and the future of smelling. Yes. And Have so, we said the word smell enough yet? <laughs> the first thing we need to do is actually establish how smell works. And fortunately, uh, you know, the three of us all work, actually the four of us, because Noel's here too, all work. Now that for, we're including our editor in yeah, our discussion today, yeah, I mean, apparently. He literally is acknowledging right next his to work. Us. I mean, yeah. Whatever. But all four of us work for HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs> and uh, one of the articles that you can find, one of the many amazing articles you can find on there is How Smell Works by Sarah Dowdy. And uh, it's really interesting to to see how smell actually works. So we sense smells uh, using cells called chemoreceptors. Yeah. They, they're in our nasal cavity. It's kind of interesting to think about the ways that your different body senses are based on different types of matter and energy. Yeah. So your eyes are for the electromagnetic spectrum, a particular part of it. Mm -hmm. Your ears are for vibrations of matter in, in the air. Right. Actual physical phenomena. Yeah. And your nose and your tongue, so smell and taste, yeah. are for... They're basically a chemistry set. Yeah, chemical particles. Yeah, you, they, they essentially uh, the the shape of a molecule, pretty much. I mean, we I'm, think. I'm, I'm oversimplifying. Yes, we think the shape of the molecule largely defines what it smells and or tastes like. Uh, so you have odorants. That's the stuff what stinks, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> um, this would be the little uh, stinky line coming out of Pepe Le Pew uh -huh. when you see those old cartoons. Uh, those stimulate the chemoreceptors, which pass on electrical impulse to the brain. The brain decodes that message and interprets it as a specific odor, which leads us to the perception of smell. So let's let's that's the that's big picture, big picture, base level. Let's now we're, go straight into your nose. Exactly. We're going to we're going to dive into the nose. We're going to pick it clean, folks. Here we go. <laughs> oh. All right. So, I like how you had to wind up to that one. That yeah, was great. Yeah. So you've got these olfactory receptor cells in your nose. Uh, they are neurons. So these are yeah. a type of neuron. Basically, anything in your body that's sensing anything yeah. is neural. Yeah. So, basically. So the neurons are complete with dendrites. That's typical. That's You would and expect that with a neuron. Those are the little uh, squiddly things that kind of extend uh, out, poke out from yeah. neurons. So they have... The dendrites with uh, these particular cells have olfactory hairs, which mm. I'll talk about in a second. And they line a, a part of your nasal cavity. It's the olfactory epithelium. It's actually a very small bit. It's maybe like an inch square overall. Yeah, yeah inside inside your schnoz. Mm -hmm. And then that's Wait, it. You do all your smelling with this tiny little bit here? Yep, mm -hmm. that's it. And uh, mucus covers it. You know, good old snot. 
It covers uh, it. Right, because mucus is actually a solvent for many odorants. A lot of odorants are either um, alcohol or water soluble. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so they help break down any chemicals that happen to be floating around in the air. Right. So that your olfactory uh, cells can actually interpret what that is and thus send a signal to your brain of what smell that is. Yeah. Your mucus does stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, stuff that's stuff that's <laughs> actually useful as opposed to just making everything gross. <laughs> Wait um, a minute. Then I have a question. How yeah. come when your nose is full of snot, you don't smell super strong? <laughs> well, at that point, <laughs> at that point, the covering is so great that nothing's getting to the cell, the olfactory sensor cells yeah. anyway. Uh, OK, so yeah. I see. It's like a little goes a long way. It's a cruel joke is what it is. It's also cleaning off. And, well, I mean, the, the, the basic function of that is is that it's trying to, to get rid of any bad stuff that's gotten yeah, into your nose. It's, it's essentially trapped various types of external stuff that shouldn't be there and trying to let you get rid of it. Okay. Either by swallowing it or blowing out your nose. Hey, how that, how that cool is that? You Walk know? me through the love ah. story of All a right. chemical molecule and the, and the olfactory cell in your nose. All right, here we go. <laughs> so you've got a volatile substance. All right, so a volatile substance <laughs> is something that can easily turn into a gas. Right. Something that can't turn into a gas, something that's non-volatile, doesn't really have a smell. Yeah. Because it's not giving off anything for you it's, to smell. It's not actually getting in your nose. Yeah, you mm -hmm. can't get any brownie in motion out of that. Staying in the stuff. Yeah. So the volatile stuff, uh, it, it can turn to a gas. That's what gives off the odorants, which are essentially just airborne molecules. Some of them find their way into your nasal cavity. Now, the molecules bind with the olfactory hairs that I talked about earlier that are on those dendrites of the receptor cells. The mucus dissolves the odorants that need to be dissolved, and then the receptor cell is stimulated by this molecule. And here's where we get into some academic disagreement about what's going on. Uh, there have been a lot of studies that have looked into the science of smells, and the fact is, like a lot of things with the brain, we don't have the full story yet. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily know which of the various models is the most correct. But according to Richard Axel and Linda Buck, who did extensive research into olfactory sensing, they say each receptor cell has only one type of receptor and can only detect a small number of related molecules. And it would respond more intensely to some molecules than others. So let's say that it's ideal for sensing molecule A, but it can also sense molecule Z and B. But when molecule A hits it, it gets a really strong sense, and then you would be able to perceive that smell really well. Mm -hmm. If it's Z or B, it still reacts, but not at the same intensity as it would if it were molecule A. All right. That's uh, that's their their uh, hypothesis. And so essentially you would have a lot of specialized receptor cells, lots of different types in your nasal cavity. Otherwise, you would only be able to detect a very small number of smells. But obviously we can detect a fairly wide range, not as wide as some other animals, but mm -hmm. but pretty impressive. And they also found that three percent of human genes are coded for olfactory receptor types. How pretty impressive when yeah. you consider like, again, like you were saying, Joe, we perceive smell as being not that important compared to some of our other senses, but yeah, you know, it's from not a, like sight or hearing. From a genetic standpoint, it's pretty important. Um, meanwhile, Luca Turin has an alternative hypothesis and suggests that instead of a large number of specialized olfactory receptor cells, we may have fewer specialized cells, like a, a, a smaller number of specializations that can detect a wider spectrum of odors through quantum vibration. Who 
That sounds like one of those things made up in a screenplay <laughs> like, uh, right. to explain Captain America's armor. Reverse the polarity, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, in this sense, it would be the actual vibration of the molecule itself and less about the shape of the molecule. Although even Turin does not go so far as to say the molecular shape doesn't matter. Uh, the principal hypothesis is that the, the quantum vibration is what ultimately determines the signal that gets sent to the brain. At any rate, a signal gets sent to the brain and then your brain ends up interpreting what that signal actually is. That's pretty cool. But what I was actually wondering about mm -hmm. this, about the sense of smell and the future of the sense of smell, is the more we understand about our bodies and brains, is there reason to think that we might be discovering the sense of smell is actually more important to humans than we realize? It definitely is very influential. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that when it gets sent to your brain, it's not just your brain going like, that's an orange. It's your brain going, that's an orange, and I have feelings about it. Yeah, as it turns out... Uh, that's a good way of putting it. You know, when we say it sends messages to the brain, we're not talking about it just throws a message at the brain and hopes that it gets to where it needs to go. <laughs> Those messages go to a specific location, the olfactory bulb, which is part of the limbic system. The limbic system has a couple of other really important parts in it, like the uh, hippocampus. That's oh, a big one. Memories, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It helps you form associations specifically. And the amygdala. We've got some important parts here. These, these are all parts of the brain that we tend to, to associate with things like Memory, mood, emotions. It, in fact, the limbic system, often a lot of people call it the emotional part of the brain, mm -hmm. right? So smell is right there with it. Now, don't go so far as to suggest that smell and memory are are directly entwined where they have uh, a one-to-one -one relationship. However, smells can be associated with memory in a way that's very tightly correlated. It's not um, you know, you don't wouldn't say that a smell automatically creates a memory, but if you're creating a memory, like if you are committing something at, at, to a memory, you're creating that neural pathway for the first time and a smell is associated with it, then the next time you encounter that smell, it you, can trigger the memory. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, you've probably experienced this yourself if you uh, smell something that your that your grandmother specifically cooks, and you have right. this this wonderful childhood memory of, of of eating dinner with your grandparents. Then, or you know, just just different different smells all the time. I can tell you, I can tell you the one of the most powerful uh, emotional reactions I have from a smell that I encountered first when I was a kid, mm -hmm. which is the smell of a chlorinated indoor pool. As soon as I smell that, I go back to when I was a kid taking swimming lessons for the first time. I took swimming lessons in an indoor pool at uh, what was then uh, Gainesville College. It's now part of the University of Georgia system. Mm -hmm. And it was a very stressful kind of traumatic experience for me when it first started. And then I ended up absolutely loving it by the time it was over. So when I encounter the smell, I actually do feel a sense of physical apprehension. Huh. And even if I'm not like if if I go through any sort of gym that has that kind of like they have an indoor pool or whatever, and I, I just walk by, it instantly triggers that memory of five-year-old Jonathan uh, scared stiff about oh. jumping in water that's over his head. But it, 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 I mean, it's just, it's true. It, it, even now I am many years 
uh, separated from five-year-old Jonathan, but it yeah, still yeah. happens. Yeah. For me, it's a charcoal grill on a summer day. It takes me back to childhood. I feel, I feel like I want a dill pickle. Well, that's cool. That's a very, that's a very sweet memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like, and of course there are other smells that do this for me as, as well. It's just the, the pool one is so like, it's just so vibrant. And even knowing that my memories of that time are not accurate, we've discussed this, how Mm -hmm. memories are fallible. You cannot count on a memory being an, an exact representation of what really happened to you in some past event. Even knowing that it's still, very evocative for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to, to separate those out. Um, but you don't have to take our word for it. No, there are actual scientific studies that have shown how, how smell can affect not just memory, but our moods overall and, and our emotions. So I read about this one study that was conducted by Rutgers University psychology professor Jeanette Haviland Jones. And she used floral scents in an experiment in which people were to describe three life events, one in the distant past, one in their near past, and one potential event in their future. So something that could be possible down the line. And they also had to interact with a mime. (laughs) Terrifying, right? No, they had to interact with a mime. They had to interact with a mime. They're, they're, could, could this interaction be described as running away? <laughs> it could have been, in fact. And I'll get to something that's similar to that in a second. No, the, the, the direction they were given was to instruct the mime to act out an emotion associated with the memory from their distant past. So a childhood memory. Okay. That was the direction they got. So they had a, they had a control room that was a neutral scent. There was no scent there. And they had the experimental room that had a floral scent pumped into it. And they found that the subjects who were in the, uh, the floral scented room described their memories and the possible future event with more positive and happy language. They actually w- went through all the descriptions and flagged all the words that had any kind of emotional attachment to them. Uh-huh. And they discovered that those who were in that floral scented room were more positive and happy with their accounts. And the ones in the neutral room used Less frequently, they would use that language. They might use more neutral or even negative language in some of their memories. And when it came to the interaction with the mime, they found that 74% of the participants in the floral scented room would move toward or actually touch the mime in order to instruct how to act out this emotion, whereas only 15% of the folks in the neutral room did. Wow, that is so significant. Yeah. Yeah. So now, granted, of course, you know, you got to keep in mind, like, I I don't know how large the sample sizes were. Right. Uh, Right, right. But still very interesting. And the conclusion here is that sense can shape our moods. And here's the crazy thing. You remember I said that there was that one room that was neutral and Mm -hmm. one room that had that floral scent? Mm -hmm. Well, the floral scent was actually undetectable. I mean, the, the scent was there, but it was below the threshold of human detection. What? Yeah. You don't even have to be conscious of the scent for it to affect you. And that's what I thought was amazing. These smells can be what's, you know, they're subliminal smells. You don't even know about it. So it's it's so faint as to be undetectable and it can still affect our behavior and decision making. So another study that shows this was a Northwestern University. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry. Northwestern University cited the study. It was published in Psychological Science uh, in which subjects were presented with a neutral face 
they would look at the uh, really a series of neutral faces. Is there mm-hmm. really such a thing as a neutral face? If you play Dungeons and Dragons, there is. So <laughs> a series of neutral faces. So the uh, I assume they mean expressionless. A chaotic I, neutral face. <laughs> oh, that's is, not expressionless. No, that's there's there's there's, a, there's an expression there. There's a smirk certainly. there. Yeah. yeah, or or possibly an open scream. But at any rate, these were expressionless faces, a series of them. And you had uh, again, a control group and an experimental group. The experimental subjects were exposed to a sub-threshold scent, and that scent could either be pleasant, so that was like a citrusy sort of lemony scent, uh, another subliminal scent, or it could be an unpleasant scent, which was described as being sweaty, mm. I guess. So if you could actually smell it, it would be pretty nasty. But again, it was below detectable levels. And the study found that those who breathed in the pleasant scent commented that the neutral face was likable. They said, you know, this is a likable sort of person. They'd go through the the different faces and that be their reaction. Mm-hmm. And those who smelled the sweaty one would be less likely. They said it's not so likable, an unpleasant person. Huh. So again, the conclusion appears to be that these smells that we cannot necessarily consciously detect can still affect our moods and thus affect our impressions of things that we see and encounter. Sure. I see where you're going. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but but does that have any effect, I mean, on uh, larger issues like like our actual decision making processes? Well, let me let me paint a scenario. Just a this is this is going to take smell out of the equation. Let me just paint a scenario. Let's say you have had an amazing day. Like it has just everything has gone well for you. You're feeling good, positive about yourself. You've got great self-image. Everything is it's just one of those days where you're just happy. It's been nothing but green lights and eyebrow compliments all That's day. That's right. Strangers on the street coming up to you offering free shrimp cocktail. At some point, <laughs> that's not a great day in Atlanta necessarily. <laughs> Especially on a summer day in Atlanta, you do not want shrimp cocktail. Um, but I'm saying well iced, you know, all right. with and lemon rate, and cocktail sauce. Yeah. Let me get to my point here. So, <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, you have an amazing day. And at the end of that day, uh, someone uh, approaches you and asks if you would like to donate to a cause that you actually do support. You might be likely to actually do that because you're feeling great. You're in a very positive mood and you want to do something. You want to pay it forward. You want to keep this positive stuff going. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you've had the worst day ever. It's just been awful. Everything's gone wrong. All red lights, rainy day outside. Bosses chewed you out for something that was totally not your fault. Random stranger on the street offered you a really bad shrimp cocktail. Exactly. Nobody liked your eyebrows. No one liked your eyebrows. It's the worst day ever. And you come home and you're encou- you encounter that person. And it may still be a, 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 a cause that you really believe in. But your mood is so bad that you may be less likely to support it because you're kind of wrapped up in this really crappy mood you're in. And yeah, you say you say, screw those hedgehogs. I am not donating right. to their rescue. In cause. fact, I will kick a hedgehog if there was one in front of me and mm-hmm. wouldn't really do it. But you're you're thinking it because you're just in such a rotten mood. Yeah. But one of the things about that scenario you've described is that. We're usually conscious enough to be able to recognize that our emotions are influencing our decision making in a situation like that. And so, in, in extremes, perhaps, yes. Well, I was, and I, that was an example of extremes, obviously. No, 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 no. I, I, I think we're going in the same direction here. Mm-hmm. 
so you might not donate to something that later you think, oh, you know, I really should have given. I was just in a bad mood. I'd had a bad day. You hear people use I've had a bad day as an excuse for their behavior all sure. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they realize that it changes what kind of person they are. Mm-hmm. But when we have our behavior affected by subliminal stimuli. Yeah. When you're unaware that there's even something affecting your behavior. You could actually be put into something like that bad mood position without knowing you've been there. You don't recognize that you've had your behavior altered in such a way. And this is what's leading us to the power of smell and its effect on our ability to make decisions. Now, one thing about decisions is a lot of our decisions are based upon our memories, right? Mm-hmm. We we remember previous events that are at least in some way analogous to our current situation. And then we end up making a decision based on that. And it may not be something that's directly from our past. It may be a story we heard from a friend. So, for example, let's say I'm out looking for a place to eat and I happen to see a restaurant or maybe even I'm just walking around and I decide I want a particular type of food because I'm smelling it, but I don't even realize Mm -hmm. it. And I think back to a story a friend told about uh, having horrible food poisoning with this one particular type of food. And then I'm like, oh, no, maybe I don't want to go there. It, it In part of it, it means that the smells might trigger certain memories, which in, a, in turn can affect our current decisions. Mm-hmm. And it may be we have a spectrum of memories about that particular subject, but the smell is triggering specific memories within that spectrum and not triggering other memories Thus, it's influencing us to one choice over the other choices. That's kind of an interesting way to think about it. But just imagine that you're in a situation where you have to make a decision and you have several choices ahead of you. In your past, you've got plenty of experience that would have a pretty complex decision-making process. But because of a certain scent, you are leaning toward just a couple of those memories. And that's what influences you to make your choice. The choice isn't even up to you. It's up to the damn smell and the memory. (laughs) Now, like we were saying, moods also affect our decision-making process. Uh, You know, I use the the two extreme examples, uh, but that would end up causing us not necessarily to, to definitively make one choice over the other. I'm not trying to suggest that free will doesn't exist and we are all whims to the external influences around us, but... Though that's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) They are at least influential, right? And I've even seen some people who suggest, hey, as long as you're aware of it, it's okay. But as we've already established, you don't have to be aware of it, Mm -hmm. right? It can be below that threshold and still affect you. Sure. So being aware of it is not really – that's moot at this point. Now, if if someone's pumping enough scent for you to pick up on it, sure, you could – Say, oh, I smell that. But you can be no. like, hey, realtor, you're totally baking chocolate chip cookies or at least have a candle lit. <laughs> right. So then yeah. I'll end up buying this house that, yeah. that I don't want. I think they have a spritzer can of chocolate chip cookie smell. Yeah. Man, I need that. Let me look it up right this second. <laughs> yeah. We there... should we should do another we should do another show about how how that stuff works, because that is fascinating. We and... actually could. I think that would be a great video, honestly. Oh, uh, hey. So Let's we, do it. we've got an idea now. Chocolate right. chip cookie spray. Oh, <laughs> I'm finding it. Crack. That's just awful. Now, wait, if that actually sprays chocolate chip cookies, it's awesome. <laughs> I 
disagree. I don't need aerosolized chocolate chip cookies. Yes, okay. you do, <laughs> because that way you get a baking sheet. You just go <laughs> plop I, that in the oven. I do not believe in food coming in spray cans. This calls oh. itself cologne spray, but it's chocolate chip cookie by Demeter for women. I'm looking online. At any rate, imperceptible odors can influence us. So awareness is not really a factor, right? We might end up being influenced in ways that we cannot be aware of. We're we're incapable of it. Our, our consciousness cannot detect that level. It makes you wonder how much we've got corporate scientists doing uh, secret little experiments to study exactly how they can tweak our behavior in the store. There are certainly rumors about that going on. Well, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like, there's there's the story about, uh, and I should say this is a story that I haven't corroborated. I have not actually done the research, but the story about Disney pumping in the smell of fresh-baked cookies in Main Street, USA, to give that kind of home feeling as you're walking down. Now, granted, I imagine that's a perceptible level of... <laughs> of cookie smell and not necessarily the below the threshold because there are a lot of other smells you're going to encounter in the, in a group of people that large especially <laughs> if you have to be going to say the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World Florida in the middle of summer you're going to encounter a lot of smells is all I'm saying sure yeah. sure um sunblock for example as an as a not totally gross version <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. Some pleasant smells or at least neutral smells. Right. Uh, but there are plenty of examples of people using smells, whether perceptible or not, to try and influence people's behaviors. Uh, marketers are using it a lot. Uh, in fact, they you, you know, you'll hear about we mentioned the real estate agents using that cookie smell or baked bread smell to kind of create a sense of home when you, when they're showing off a, a a house to a prospective buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, what about retail? Like if you actually go in a store, what, yeah. what do you make somebody smell to get them to buy your junk? Nike actually, had, they, they, they funded a study to look into this. And the study found that by pumping in a floral scent into a store, you would inspire customers to buy more shoes and more, <laughs> more expensive shoes. Huh. So you huh. go into a, a shoe Not store smelling like flowers. Not that we're saying that Nike is junk. Those no. were two unrelated statements. No, I was specifically. You, yes, yeah. yes. I, I, had, <laughs> I, had, I had one specific point. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Following Joe. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you made the observation, Lauren, because that is important. I, Lauren's um, just trying to get some free Nikes out of this. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't not take those. <laughs> Uh, that's, I'm going to have to parse that sentence in a second. I get all my Nikes from the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> see, we'll see, call back there. See our red, on yeah. the dark web. It explains yeah. why you always get like two that are, are for the left foot. <laughs> Something along those lines. It, the, the swoosh is backwards. Right. Uh, at any rate, Nike found, according to the, or at least the, the people who performed the study found that this floral scent would inspire people to spend more money. And in fact, that's something that I've seen repeated in another um, uh, example. Although I hasten to add, I could not find the specific source of this fact. So it could be apocryphal. It could be one of those rumors. But it could what be. is it? The, Share gossip at me. Give it was, me a rumor. It was that the Las <laughs> Vegas Hilton... Uh, which is now called Westgate. It was Las Vegas Hilton, then it was LVH, then it was Las Vegas Hotel, now it's Westgate, <laughs> uh, found that pumping in floral scents encouraged gambling. It actually uh, 
it resulted in gamblers spending 50% more time at slot machines when the scents were present. Hmm. So the idea being apparently that it made people happy and motivated to continue gambling, to continue plunking coins into slot machines. You know, as we learn more about how smells influence our brains for positive or negative purposes, or maybe for a purpose that, you know, you might be conflicted about, like, would you call it positive or negative that you can make somebody more likely to buy something? Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder uh, how fine-tuned we can get with the way we manage people's behavior <laughs> through sense, and if it will be a thing in the future for, you know, people with a very solid base of smell, you know, of behavioral science based on smells that they're going to be pumping artificial scents out all over the place to get, try to get you to behave the way they want. Uh, you know, you... like like I, I want to make someone feel happy, but in a slightly self-conscious way <laughs> and therefore need to buy way more stuff that will help them be better. So, yeah, the way we imagine this happening today is like in physical spaces mm -hmm. like stores. OK, so you you understand that maybe when you go into a hardware store. They're going to encourage you to buy an extra set of two by fours and and an extra chainsaw and a wheelbarrow by pumping in the smell of flowers or baking chocolate chip cookies. They might have a good stock of science they're working on and they know that this gets results. But I wonder how much this can be capitalized on once we have artificial smell generating media devices. Once we have that people are working on that thing. Well, I mean, people have been working on that kind of thing for years with ridiculous junk like the smell-o-vision. Or the, right. the sensorama. Yeah. That, there was that virtual reality thing that would blow sense of uh, like things like, like evergreen scents in your face as you were looking at evergreen footage in this video screen. Uh, sure. And and I guess a lot of like like the rides at Disney World have that kind of yeah, thing pumped Soren. in. Yeah, Soren. Mm -hmm. has that. Yeah. And then some of the Epcot stuff, too, like right. the smell of uh, charcoal. Or oranges in um, the big golf ball. Yeah. Oh, man, y'all really uh, know about your Disney sense, huh? I've been, all, I've been there a lot. <laughs> wow. A lot. Okay, well, anyway, no. This, so this isn't exactly anything new. It's just more that, yes, people are still trying to create electronic media devices that generate smells. Mm. And one of the most recent versions of this was something I was reading about the other day. I was trying to make sure this wasn't some kind of elaborate April Fool's Day joke or hoax, but I checked the dates on these articles and they were not <laughs> April 1st, so I think this is all for real. It's a project that, uh, as far as I can tell, is for real, and it's led by the biomedical engineer David Edwards of Harvard. He's been promoting a device called the O-Phone, <laughs> or in the most recent, the O-Phone or the O-Phone Duo, or in the most recent incarnation, I think it's just been reduced to the O-Notes. But oh the, notes, but, oh but, notes. But oh, by oh they mean odor. So right. I think so. Yeah, odor phone. Yes, yeah. it would be. This would be an electronic device that supplies you with tiny bursts of carefully engineered scents, which are contained on things called O chips. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few articles about this last year because they launched an Indiegogo campaign to. Try to get some funding. I don't think they achieved their funding uh -huh. goal, but it, as far as I can tell, they're still trying to go through with this project and whatever you want to call it, O-Phone, O-Notes. The general idea is that you've got a device that supplies you with these engineered packets of smell that can be sort of tagged as metadata 
on top of other things. So the original idea I read about was that you might s- take a picture with your phone. Yeah. And then send somebody that picture with this app. And then with the app, you would be able to tag the picture with some scent combination. So if you took a picture of a field of roses, you could include a smell that was a floral smell, perhaps even the rose smell. Yeah. And that would be what would emit on the mobile device or whatever it was that the other person's using to access the thing you sent. Uh, yeah. or, or more complicatedly, mm-hmm. if it's a field of roses, for example, it could be that rose smell plus a little bit of like a grass shrubbery smell plus maybe some like earth smell. Yeah, plus the smell of uh, clowns with chainsaws in the background. I was about to around. say, this This to me sounds like it could potentially lead to a whole new level of trolling. <laughs> <laughs> like just just you just put the most foul sense uh st- and and pair it with something that looks pleasant beautiful yeah and then of course that trick only will really work on somebody you know five seven, six times yeah now so the version of this product they were talking about last year had it had sort of a smelling station so it was uh, known as the ophone duo <laughs> and it would be this kind of cylindrical pipe-like object that would connect to your you know your smartphone because obviously your smartphone can't make smells at you so this no. station would have well, to it can make a burning electronic smell but yeah. that's about it and that's very brief i smell ozone <laughs> this station would have to be there to release the smell and in the end i think they might be able to create a device like this could that could have a very wide range of different smells it could pull from because it was talking about how it can have lots of tiny little chambers that release different smells and different combinations to create sort of a symphony of aromas. Huh. And to what extent can we imagine that devices like these that generate smells could help further control us even without us going out into physical spaces? So let's say uh, a campaign ad on, on the YouTube video you're watching shows you the face of the political opponent and they give you a bad person smell from your device. Or you are online doing some online shopping and they pump that floral scent into your home or your or you know the 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 train car wherever you're sitting while you're doing your online shopping mm-hmm. yeah yeah just through your iphone or whatever it is well, first yeah. of all I, I welcome the floral scent being pumped into the train <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I welcome that now. Uh, or in in a less marketing conspiracy theory kind of way, that could be fascinating for for adding yet another dimension to home movies. Sure. I mean, and I think that's why these kind of devices would be envisioned in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like you can look at a picture of somebody's somebody's nice meal on Instagram and it actually releases meal smell. I, I think I think <laughs> well, it hopefully depends. the smell of that meal and not just a generic <laughs> meal smell. Corn well, meal the, is what the, I mean. <laughs> the interesting thing I mentioned uh, to Joe before this podcast in my mind is that at least from a behavioral standpoint, it appears, and if we're talking about subliminal smells where you can't detect it consciously, it appears that as long as it's something that is uh, that you would associate with positive outcomes, it doesn't matter what the smell is, right? And, and if you associate with negative outcomes, it doesn't matter what the smell is. So in other words, you wouldn't necessarily have to have a smell that accompanies the picture of the meal if all you want to do is inspire the person to go out and get that meal. You would just have to have something positive. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I, I was talking about more as an entertainment value Oh, thing. sure, yeah. If it's perceptible, then obviously it would just be weird to start getting like 
mixed messages of uh, one sense telling you one thing and everything else telling you something else. That just be it would just be disconcerting. Yeah. <laughs> or at least at least you'd be like, who decided to do it like that? So when we were talking about the possibility of having these devices, one of the limiting factors is how many canisters of chemicals do you have to create the various scents? And, you know, what would be the bare minimum number of canisters you would need to create a wide array of scents? And my argument was that if it's the subliminal type thing, you, you won't really just need good and bad. <laughs> it's really. Oh, mm -hmm. Now, I imagine that bad is a lot easier to achieve than good because you can never be certain what kind of association someone's going to have with the scent that you generate. It is possible that even if it's a subliminal scent, you know, the person's not conscious of it, that they have a memory associated with that scent that is negative. And for most people, it's positive. You're not going to get a positive outcome. Uh, with negative oh, sure. smell, but with mm -hmm. stinky stuff, it's a little easier, right? Because it's just unpleasant. Yeah. Um, now this, I also, I also think that this is a way of suggesting uh, that we should really work in improving air quality and uh, the type of sense that we encounter in public spaces, because not only is it more pleasant, but it actually positively affects people's mood, which in turn positively affects people's decisions. And therefore, if you are in an environment that is less pleasant, that's unpleasant, then you could be affecting people's moods and affecting people's decisions. Not to go so far as to say good smells and bad smells are either going to uh, uh, eliminate or encourage crime, but it certainly can influence people. Sure. I mean, yeah. Could could you make a city a nicer city to live in by making the inhabitants of the city nicer people by making them smell flowers? Right. And even I if, don't know. That's a weird if, question. Even if you're not making them nicer people, you might be setting them up for success. That's the way I kind of think of it, because yeah. ultimately, again, I don't think free will is uh, completely taken out of this picture. Obviously, if someone is determined to choose a, uh, a a course of action that would have a negative impact on somebody else, pumping fresh baked cookie smell to them is probably not going to change their mind. However, just as a general thing, it might be a very uh, kind of hands-off way of encouraging more uh, peace and tranquility. Just, just waiting the die. Really. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, but this this, again, starts to creep into a conversation that we're going to have later on about the various in influences we can have uh, that can kind of uh, influence our behavior, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps even to the point where we are encouraged to take one course of action over any other course of action. And what are the ethical implications of that? And that's a much bigger discussion that we're going to have pretty soon. So stay tuned because... Uh, we got a lot to say about that, but this has been really cool. Uh, it's been a fun topic to talk about. I think this was one that I had. Well, Joe, you and I had both talked about. It. I don't know who specifically mentioned the smell. Somehow we somehow we brought up smells, and I was like, "Could we make an episode out of that?" And then the question became, "Could we make a good episode?" <laughs> about that? And I'm not sure. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope this was worth it. Well, I got to say, I had a lot of fun looking into this and learned a lot. I mean, just the idea that something beneath the threshold of consciousness could have that big of an impact upon a mood. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe not so big as to definitely determine your actions, but certainly to sway you. Uh, that, to me, was fascinating and honestly a little 
a little Creepy. unnerving, yeah, yeah, to think that you might not be as in control as you believe you are. Uh, and we're going to talk more about that, too. So, guys, if you have suggestions for future topics, maybe you've got questions, comments, maybe there's a childhood smell, something that just brings you back to a specific memory and you want to share that with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. That address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Or you can drop us a line on Twitter, Google+, or Facebook. At Twitter and Google+, we are fwthinking. Just go to Facebook, type in fwthinking. We're going to pop right up. You can leave us a message, and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.